0: One of the most infamous is the drugs bust in the Holiday Inn in 2000. It's one of those moments that there was a definite before and after, and that bust famously led to the Crumlin drimna feud, which is still being written about over two decades later. It's one of these bizarre events that there is a, a fight in the pub, if you remember it at the time, McGregor associated with this event. McGregor's associates are blamed for starting this row. So, McGregor in a row with a notorious gangster became an international story.
2: I'm Nicola Tallant, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Convicted drug dealer Graham the Whig Whelan is facing jail after pleading guilty to a number of offences relating to his arrest at a luxury Dublin hotel where he was caught with cash in his pocket and an expensive watch on his arm by undercover officers investigating drug crime. While the offences seem small for such a significant criminal as Whelan, they have certainly placed a spotlight on his fall from the lofty heights as a senior member of one of Ireland's most ruthless crime gangs. Today I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the life and crimes of Graham the Whig Whelan. We talk about the famous Holiday Inn hotel drug bust that started a war, about the tough man image that helped him rise through the ranks of gangland, and about the lonely future he faces after multiple tragedies visited his life. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Niall, I think if I was Graham the Whig Whelan, I would avoid hotels. He's been damn unlucky, really, when it comes to uh, hotel rooms. And the latest um, time, at least that we know of, that he 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 paid for a three-night stay, uh, resulted in him landing before the special criminal court. Well, absolutely. Graeme Whelan um, was in this, the hotel,
0: uh, one of Dublin's probably best hotels in the Intercontinental Hotel. Intercontinental Hotel in Ballsbridge in January 2019 when the police bussed in and uh, again it's landed him in, in hot water this week. and
2: pled guilty in front of the Special Criminal Court. And to what? Is it kind of, it's a kind of, they're unusual slightly charges, but what we know is that the investigation that he was caught up in was into a drug gang and drug related activity. So what has he pleaded guilty for and what was he caught with?
0: Well, again, you see, um, it's another one of the Ken- Kenaghan Cartel associates that have been prosecuted under these anti-gangland laws. A lot of these laws uh, lay dormant for many years, really. Um, you know, they were brought in after, after the murders in, 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 in Limerick and um, nothing seemed to happen. Um, but they're basically, the laws are built around participation in an organised crime gang. Um, the the charges that Graham Whelan were are, are up on this this week are, you know, they're kind of confusing even to hear. But the mm. basic charge is participating in the actions of an organised crime group by laundering money for the group and being in possession of 1,200 in cash and a 28 uh thousand pound watch. So it's a kind of a uh, I suppose it's rather than just prosecuting people for having money which was mm. always the thing or just seizing the pro- seizing them as the potential proceeds of crime instead the, the police are now looking for to say well this is where it's come from. It's come from organized crime, the activities of an organized crime gang and it's not just somebody with money that we can seize the asset. Mm. So that's what uh, Graeme Whelan was done for, um, he, he possessed, uh, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but uh, forgive me for it anyway, oh, an Man's PK Royal, Royal Oak Gentleman's Watch. Hmm. Do you what, not have one of those? I don't have one of them, just, yeah. Okay. But they are twenty eight worth 28,000.
2: So. Oh, yeah, it's round the corner. Christmas <laughs> present, I'd say. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so Whelan, they, these do appear to be small charges for somebody like Whelan. Whelan, of course, is... Um, a very significant figure in organised crime in in Dublin for three decades, nearly. Yeah, I mean the most infamous probably moment
0: in Ireland's Irish gangland history, or one of the most infamous, is the the, the drugs bust in the Holiday Inn in two thousand. Um, it's one of those moments that that there was a definite before and after um it was the the, after, the before was a group of young lads who who really shot to the top of organized crime the guys in Graham Whelan at the time was just a teenager mm. um, and they had a, a a big stash of cocaine and they were chopping it up and preparing it for sale but obviously that got busted and that bust famously led to the uh, the Drimna feud which was still on our still still being written about over two decades later
2: Yeah, it's interesting if you unravel these things because that Holiday Inn moment was a little bit like the Regency in one way. There was a build up to what happened in the aftermath of it in that there was basically John Gilligan, for a start, had been taken out of the picture. He was the big cannabis dealer and he'd been using people like Brian Rattigan and Fat Freddie Thompson to uh, sell his drugs around the very lucrative Crumlin and Drimna areas. There had been rivalry between Brian Rattigan and Declan Gavin and they were sort of two alpha males who who really wanted to take over when when Gilligan uh, was taken out of the picture a vacuum was left, they moved into it but they were sort of both vying for control, ultimate control and then you have this moment in the Holiday Inn where Wheelen, along with his then and his the the late Philip Griffiths, um, they were sort of part of the original Declan Gavin gang before Freddie Thompson took command of that. But they were in the in in that Pier Street Hotel. It was March two thousand, and they'd spent the night breaking up large block of cocaine into sort of one gram deals, and all of a sudden, officers who had them under surveillance raided the rooms uh, at the hotel. Um, The profits were to be shared between Gavin and Rattigan at the time. But all of a sudden, everyone's accusing everyone of ratting. Somebody had to give the details that this drug was, I mean, it was an incredible bust. Guards always have to have their timing down to precision to know when and, and when they went in, they literally had their hands on the drugs yeah so I mean Declan Gavin
0: wasn't in the room as the guardie broke down the door and mm. probably that is the source of 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 what what became the feud because he wasn't caught red-handed. Um,
2: he was taken a lie down in a neighboring room they'd also hired and it looked bad. Well it looked bad in that world. Yes um,
0: I suppose um the fullness of time is I think there's nobody really believes that he he was an mm. informer. Um, but certainly that that was the the accusation at the time that um, because you know the, it, it, with these types of drugs busts, it's really catching people in the room with the drugs is is pretty essential, particularly back then. Um, so Deccan Gavin wasn't in the room. and um, he was obviously accused of being an informer, the ultimate gangland sin. There was a lot of, obviously these guys are really young, had, despite their youth, were had access to huge amounts of money and weaponry and the feud kicked off. And Graham Whelan, I think, um, even though he was he was a very young man at the time, he, uh, you know, famously went to court. He didn't become an informer or anything like that. He, he Even in, in court when he was sentenced to six years, he... Um, Told the guard he, he'd do 10 years standing on his head, no problem to him. And he probably came out with an enhanced uh, aura around him um, for doing his time mm. and taking it on the chin. And even in, in prison, he was became a person of worthy of respect, I suppose, in that world. And he, he, he when he came out, he was set up to play an important role in what was then um,
2: probably known as the Fat Freddy Gang. Mm, because he took, of course, Thompson's side. Fred, Freddie took command after Gavin was murdered, and famously went to war with Rattigan. But Whelan would have been on Thompson's side, and also with him would have been Thompson's cousins, the Byrne brothers.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think Whelan's probably is. Is they they were the the core of of, of that side of the feud, and. Um, the uh, Whelan would have been particularly close, I think, to David Byrne and and Liam Byrne. David Byrne, obviously, who was who was killed in the Regency Hotel attack, uh, and Freddie Thompson. And as the years went by, I mean, you know, these these they became probably the biggest
2: drug distribution network based in in Dublin mm. and Ireland. Because in a way, they sort of crushed Ratigan, although not totally Rattigan suffered a lot of losses at the beginning and um, I think probably what the Thompson mob had, which would later, they would later obviously go on to be sucked into the wider Kinnaghan network, but what they had was very much a family business, didn't they? And I think guards would always have said to try and infiltrate that, to try and get the intelligence. You're not only trying to infiltrate a criminal gang, you're also trying to break through the loyalties and the bonds of a family.
0: Yeah, and I think the you know obviously these people were living under pressure, and that probably bound them even tighter. But I think also like the the as as time has shown the the Byrne Thompson faction um, had those international connections. So while the Ratigan gang really became uh, a, a street dealing gang in Dublin um, that controlled certain parts of the South Inner City and. Um, Quickly, the, the the other side became a, a nationwide distribution mm-hmm. gang with with huge connections, and you see Graeme Whelan as he comes out of prison. Um, that that by by the mid the mid two thousands, uh, towards the late two thousands, he'd become. Uh, Gardy regarded him as the primary contact for the Dunne McCarthy gang down in Limerick, um, from the Thompson organization. So he he was going down. He was dealing probably directly with the McCartys in 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 Moiras, and they started to move to another level where they're they're, you know, where they're moving between you know, as an international operation mm. in Spain and across of all of Ireland, and the Ratigan gang. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to become uh, ending up in prison, really.
2: Yeah. And I suppose it's significant as well around that time of that holiday in thing, when they go to war with the Ratican side, Whelan goes to prison for some years. But at that same time, you have Thomas bomber Kavanaugh making his move to the UK. He bases himself in Birmingham and becomes their chief supplier from there. So, they're always going to beat ratigan really like he you know he's he's sort of been been left behind with that so they have the the Kinnahan mob in spain they have the bomber outfit in the uk and then they are really the irish suppliers so whelan is what would you call him he's a okay chief lieutenant is probably the the gangland name but from a corporate well you might be a, a chief operations officer in ireland mm. um i'm sure uh you know that's sending horrors up uh, uh, a <laughs> But that's what they are. I mean, literally, they are just dealing in an illegal substance, but they do and are structured like a proper corporate entity. And if they weren't, they wouldn't survive and make the amount of monies they were. So he was like the chief operating officer here in Ireland, but he ran into some trouble and he ended up moving to Birmingham.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is again, this is this is what we always hear heard. So, you know, as they as the. The threats maybe escalated, or the guards started to focus in on their organisation. Um, in particular, Graham Whelan, uh, as we were talking about the anti- anti-gangland laws, the guards during the, the 2010s seem to have attempted to to put them into operation and charge him basically with directing a criminal organisation uh, focused on on drug dealing in the south inner city, where he was the uh, the the sort of the guy directing the operations, the Irish operations. Um, that so, charge held like a massive sentence, twenty years. Yeah, but I mean, I think it, yeah, it was a theoretical sentence of tw- of twenty years. Yeah. However, it seems that a file went to the DPP. At that point, the DPP were seemed very reluctant to use those laws. However, during that you know around that time, uh, Graham Whelan seems to have uh, disappeared to. To Birmingham, and also mm. seems to have spent a good deal of time in Spain, where he he probably moved away from directing those operations in Ireland, but continued of being heavily involved in in a, what was an expanding operation then at that point, mm. um, and seems to have based a lot of a lot of the time in Birmingham, which which. Association with Thomas Bomber Cavanaugh.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we did hear stories over those years, I suppose, up to 2016, which is another very significant event there in, in the Regency. But up to that point, he was falling in and out with Bomber, in and out of favour with him. And he seemed to have been a slightly chaotic drug user, as well as being obviously a steady hand to have a senior role in the corporate organisation. He was, there was all sorts of stories about him being beaten up over there and it seemed to be very much connected to his his drug use himself. Um, 2016, he's nowhere near the Regency or we have no eyes on him at all around that time. But what's interesting is in the evidence that has come out of the case now that we're talking about the Special Criminal Court, these, these anti-gangland laundering charges, he does appear to have been in Spain in November 2016, where he was involved in a bar brawl and got a two-year suspended sentence. So he was clearly still in, you know, very high up in the organisation. Nonetheless, um, as the crackdown on the Kinahan gang continued... And a lot of their senior lieutenants were taken off the streets. They were arrested. They were many of them in custody, facing charges. The Burn uh, Liam Byrne left to to move to Birmingham around twenty eighteen or thereabouts. Um, the Whig returns to Ireland, and we see him back in his home in Walkinstown. And I think the next kind of major reason he pops up is because. Uh, associates of his are supposed to have had a run-in with Conor McGregor and McGregor is supposed to be running scared this huge international story breaks and and the wig is at the centre of it
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I remember uh, waking up one day and turning on uh, my computer and opening up TMZ and seeing the wig
2: Great. This is a Just for anyone who doesn't know, this is a celebrity news site. Yeah, I mean, it was
0: it was an unlikely uh, confluence of events. Is that what they say? Um, So yeah, like so. I mean, Graham Whelan seems to have been brought back. No matter what can be said about the guy, he seems to have been somebody that they knew that they could trust and rely on. He seems to have been brought back to Ireland to as as the the pressure came on to direct operations uh, in a better way back in Ireland. So sometime during this time, um, it's yeah, it's one of these uh, bizarre events that there is a, a, a fight in the pub um, and a male associate of, of Graham Whelan uh, seems to have got a minor punch really in, uh, during a night out. And um, if you remember at the time, uh, you know, McGregor's associated with this event, um, uh, McGregor's associates are blamed for starting this row and um, as as happens in the modern world, uh, the next morning the voice notes start to go around on WhatsApp, mm. and that's really what happens. Mm. Um, so you know, there's a couple of voice uh, voice messages from who 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 knows who they're from, and they go around saying the week is gonna is gonna hunt down Conor McGregor and and get him, and uh, because of this fight in the pub,
2: and. Um, And of course, the kinnahan hutch feud is in full swing in Ireland at the time and a very significant feud, so... You know, for for the celebrity reporters who take up the story, yes, it's uh, scary times for McGregor. Well, remember
0: McGregor, like, uh, and and the Sunday World can't uh, claim innocence in this, but McGregor, you know, gets a haircut. It's an international story. Yeah. Um, it's just the way it is. So McGregor in a row with a notorious gangster became an international story, and the WhatsApp messages didn't just go around Dublin. They seem to have gone all around the world, and this has been widely reported that. Uh, Graham Whelan was coming to get McGregor and McGregor's going to get this, but I think it was the most, uh, it was certainly massively exaggerated because Graham Whelan seems to have had a good relationship with the McGregor family, seems to have known some of them growing up. Um, At the time of the incident, um, uh, one of Conor McGregor's sisters was going out with a, a Close childhood pal of of and uh, of Graham Whelan's, so there was never any threat. But yeah, he went from being a, a you know front page in the Sunday World to TMZ in rapid time. Yeah and time. I
2: remember a French journalist with broken English coming over, being sent over. I felt a bit sorry for him to to investigate this and he was headed down to this pub <laughs> where this incident had happened and rang for a little bit of advice and you know he was just very green as we've all been in oh, foreign yeah. countries. Oh yeah, I mean God, I
0: remember getting an email from some, I can't remember where it was somewhere around the world, why is he called the Whig? <laughs>
2: and <laughs> I was going to ask you the question yeah. anyway.
0: Well, I mean, like it's like a, the classic thing of in in uh, in Irish life. He seems to have got a left a bit of a long fringe at some point during his teenage years, and ever since been known as the week. That's what I was
2: told. Uh, I, I stand to be corrected. It's a likely story, is Annie, because that is what happens, don't it, they say? It is. It Irish is. nicknames are all about one second in time when you oh, weren't yeah. looking your
0: best. Yeah, the guy who wore sandals to school and was called Moses up until his. <laughs> His dying day but uh yeah so that's where if the if there's another explanation I'm 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 free to hear yeah hear a about, about the week nickname so yeah we were getting emails he known as the week and but uh I think then uh, subsequently um uh, Graeme Whelan appeared in a in a picture with Conor McGregor and and the uh the rumors of their their row were greatly exaggerated
2: so anyway back to uh less amusing things I think you know, at this point for the Whig 2018 and, OK, this story has blown up about McGregor and all the rest of it, but really things aren't going so well for him. And when you think of a guy that was as, as a teenager cutting up a million quids worth of cocaine in a hotel room, he probably had the world at his feet from, you know, the point of view of a, a young drug dealer. Um, God's amount of money, women, whatever he wanted. Um, in In recent years... Life has kind of caught up on him, and things have become really quite tragic. Absolutely, I mean, um, at the in the evidence heard in court
0: during the week, um, you know, Graeme Whelan, you know, the, you hear about his his dangerous criminal past, but you also hear about the personal tragedy that's that's hit him um, about losing his the mother, the part, his partner and the mother of his four kids, um, to suicide and how the impact that has had on his life, um, according to the evidence given in court. Um, you know, certainly uh, it's said that he's now the, the, the sole, the primary carer of four young children. Very, very tragic and mm. um, very, very difficult. I mean, it's easy to, to look at some of these people that have been involved in organised crime and maybe say that, you know, Maybe have a lack of sort of compassion feel, but that's a very human tragedy. Mm. Um, anybody who's a parent can only, you know, imagine how that is. Um, so the evidence given in court, I think, was quite compelling. Uh, not to say that, you know, that that people that you know, he was obviously being done because of his, or, mm. his dealings in organised crime. But the evidence was quite compelling um, in terms of, you know, the change in his life that, that that tragedy has brought about and, you know, how he is taking it, it seriously. I mean, there was still a couple, you know, there was still a couple of moments where you, you heard, um, you know, the attitude he had when he was confronted by the guards and in the hotel and there was, he was asking where to get the money and he was saying... I got it from up my hole or whatever it was but you do then hear that the guard saying well there has been a different attitude and he's engaged well and you know you
2: have to um, I have to point out I don't think he was quite as crass as that I think he said Swiss roll
0: Swiss roll well there you go. So, yeah, so uh,
2: again... I. But yeah, no, look, he's he's a mouthy character and he's obviously always been mouthy with the guards and I'd say that's part of that defence mechanism that many of them use and that, you know, we're still above you, everything is going great, but it's not going great for him. And what wasn't heard in court was that Philip Griffiths, who was the teenager, his one of his best friends through life, who was caught with him in the Holiday Inn, cutting up the cocaine that he also took his own life around the same time.
0: Yeah, and of course this is this Philip Griffiths was was very much tied with him. He was very much part of that that inner circle of people. Mm. And if you look at the the those inner circle of really high-flying drug dealers who as you said had access to huge amounts of money. If you look at the the process as they entered their mid to late mid forties, you know, I mean, they're in jail, mm. or they're under pressure, or they're you know they're facing serious uh, consequences for their actions. Obviously, a number of them are dead, and um, but uh, you know for all of for all of the
2: the the attraction of that lifestyle, it hasn't paid out, you know. No, uh, and like okay, he might have had the twenty eight thousand quid watch in his arm, which you don't have. But he's a lot of loss there and he's facing a lot of loss because he will be facing a prison term and facing leaving those kids, you know, on their own or if family members will mind them or whatever. But he can't be feeling too good about it. Um when Griffiths died, I was talking to somebody who'd known him a long time and um, said that he had struggled a lot in recent years, as many of them do in their 40s. Um, it's like. The party's over and they start to navel gaze in their 40s. And look, we all maybe do a little bit of that. You kind of consider what you've done, where you're at. Um, you take a different outlook on life. And I think a lot of those guys, they look at what, what, you know, what what they've done and what they've achieved. And because it's all been about the money and greed, they've little to show for it other than obviously, you know, maybe a collection of fancy watches. But
0: yeah, fancy watches maybe aren't going to make you happy. I mean, look, we'd, we'd hope that that this could be a turning point for, for people and people should be mm-hmm. given that opportunity to turn around their lives. But there's no doubt that, um, and also the consequence of people being around a lot of drugs and maybe taking, abusing substances, you know, it has a
2: very detrimental effect on people's mental health, you know. Whelan has 33 previous convictions, five of which are for drug offences. So um, sentencing is on the 15th of November. Maybe we'll come back to it when when that happens to see how he's got on. But I think one thing he can take from it is that he has at least been photographed in his favourite powder blue suit as opposed to the famous photograph that was the only one we had in newspapers taken when he was a younger man and Maybe more foolhardy about his image, but he had a chip rammed up his nose. He had a chip rammed up his nose. I mean, it
0: was a Bebo photo, so that's where you're, that's where, that's how long ago it is. Um, yeah, there, and yeah, there <laughs> and some of the more serious papers, I think, even attempted to Photoshop out the chip in order not to get uh, But it was too involved. hard to do. It was
2: too hard to do. Mm. So anyway, his, his legacy can be this fresh picture at courts when he's a more mature looking man and certainly he uh, he looks a little bit better. So Niall Donald, thank
0: you very much. Thanks
2: very much Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.
0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on,